Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome to our live Texans postgame show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Robert, along with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani, coming through your chimney on Christmas Eve. We bring you uh, 45 years to your stocking, uh, 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 years covering Houston sports. And Sean, it's a Christmas miracle. The Texans won a game. And of course, it was a Christian that saved them. Christian Harris. What do you know? <laughs> Man, Christian Harris, Obo Okoronkwo, uh, Jake Hansen, Jalen Petrie. Those guys had some games today, man. And, uh, you know, the Texans were able to do just enough. Uh, to Weirdly, like the Titans had three game sample size to see this, really two, I guess, this Driscoll cat package thing in effect. And it seemed to kind of keep them on their heels early. You know, the Texans going boom, 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 Mills, Driscoll. Um, it was just enough, and um, hey, I knew this game was going to be entertaining for two reasons. One, it's an AFC South game, and then two, it's a Tennessee Titans matchup between the Texans and them. They're always really good, close, like mucked up uh, games, and I just kind of knew it. It did seem, though, Robert, like Derrick Henry was like that close from breaking one like you give him another run or two and he's gonna bust one for about 40 or 50 yards on that final drive before he fumbled and I just thought man this is how it ends like Merry Christmas and then boom here comes Jake Hansen saving the day it's a victory whenever you hold Derrick Henry if you're the Texans under 200 yards that's a win I I won my bet by the way let's see Henry finished with 126 yards People were just – I know they were making fun of me. They think I'm stupid, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I maybe I am, and maybe I don't some of the time. But people are like, oh, man, you know, Henry, what are the Texans averaging on the ground giving up over the course of the whole season? 167. What about their last three? 161. I said, no way Henry goes for two, guaranteed. And then over-under, you could set it at the average, 167. I took the under, and we get it by a lot, so – there you go. Credit to the Texans run defense today. They did just enough and creating turnovers. That's the key. Absolutely. Uh, some big turnovers for sure. Jalen Petrie ends it on the interception. Um, but the big one, like I said, Christian Harris, not, not a great throw. It was right in his hands. He tried to drop it for a second, but he got it. And that was the big play, by the way. We're not going to be here for long. So we want to hear from you. This is going to be a quick one. Subscribe, comment. We want to get out of here. Uh, I know you guys want to go celebrate the holidays, so it's going to be a shorter show, but we got some stuff to say for sure. And Sean Davis Mills learned something from last week. He figured out when he fumbles, it's best to fumble into the end zone and into the arms of your teammate. <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry. Do you guys, do you hear that in the background? Yeah. Yeah. You might, you okay, might have sorry. something up there. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry. Stupid ads. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? My bad. Oh, I was just saying, Davis Mills learned something from last week. He fumbled. But, you know, when you fumble, it's always good to fumble it into the end zone, into the arms of a teammate. That's the way to do it. Hey, tell me, yes or no, did you know that? Did you know that that was going to still count for a touchdown? Because, you know, I'm watching it, and I see Burkhead clearly out of bounds on the play. I didn't need the replay to see it at first. I saw Burkhead out of bounds. He comes back in, lands on the ball, boom, they signal touchdown. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's that's great, you know, but that's going back. I mean, it's not going to stand. 
the explanation from Gene Sparator, and I think uh, who was who was the uh, analyst on this game? It was uh, Fouts. Um, he asked Sparator, you know, hey, what about Burkhead being out of bounds? And Sparator's explanation was, well, as long as he, uh, what was the word that he used? Um, uh, reestablishes himself in bounds, it's fine. What reestablishment? Like, Mills fumbled the ball. Burkhead's out of bounds. There's no reestablishing anything. He went from out of bounds to landing on a football. What What do you mean reestablish? And so, I mean, I'm glad it worked out. I mean, that's tremendous. I was just, that's a head scratcher to me. And Tennessee Titan fan has to be absolutely pissed off at that play, you know, the result of it, because everything that I've kind of come to know about being out of bounds and being the first person to touch a football is it can't happen. What do you mean reestablish? He didn't reestablish anything. He just, uh, <laughs> you know, kept possession for the Texans of the football and they gave him a touchdown for it. So, I mean, you know, good there. But I, I was completely confused on that play. Yeah, it was James Lofton that was on the call, not Fouts, but that's Lofton's old uh, <laughs> target with the San Diego Chargers. But I, the thing that I wasn't sure about is, you know, you go back to the holy roller, Ken Stabler, and he fumbles the ball. Before he gets into the end zone, the ball goes into the end zone. It goes through all these hands, and the Raiders win the game. And, you know, there was a point where I thought you just couldn't fumble it forward or they would put it – you could fumble it into the end zone. They would spot it, you know, where the last guy that held possession of the ball, if the offense got it. That's what I thought, but these rules change all the time, Sean. So, I mean, it's so confusing. The NFL – you know, everybody talks – everybody complains. It's funny when the World Cup was going on, oh, these stupid offsides rules, and there's just stuff about – you know, these guys, I don't understand. And the, the guys are always like flopping and fake. Well, we have flopping and faking. We call it the NBA. We have rules that make no sense at all. We call it the NFL. I mean, you you see it every single week. You're like, I don't know what the rule is anymore because they change it from year to year. And, yeah. and it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, yeah, it's uh, that one was a surprise to me that I, it, 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 for, for a number of reasons that it, that it stood. But, you know, I, I guess, it, you know, good for us. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm waiting for the next, you know, controversial, you know, is it a catch? Is it not a catch? Because we haven't had one of those in quite a long time in the NFL. And by that, I mean, hey, maybe like a season and a half. The last controversial one that I can remember um, that comes to mind is the Keenum to, to Diggs play in the playoffs a few years ago, I think, maybe. Uh, not not the miracle, but there there was another big time catch there. I I could be getting that one wrong. It's just been kind of few and far between here in recent years. So there's one coming, maybe this postseason. I don't know, but you know, just for a receiver when they're running around and they 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 step out or a defensive back does a really good job of kind of squeezing them up against you know the boundary there. You have to. It's not you can't just reestablish yourself and come back into the field of play. You just simply can't be the first guy to touch that football. Somebody else has to touch it. So if it's thrown to you, it's got to glance off of a defensive back's fingertips for you to be uh, able to legitimately and legally catch that ball. I just don't understand the the ruling. Um, I'm glad it worked out. Hey, terrific. And it couldn't happen to a better guy in Rex Burkhead, right? <laughs> Gets himself a touchdown in the red zone again. I think his second or third one on the season, but – uh, you know, it's cool. I just I wish we had a more clear understanding of some of these things, like the difference between a runner and a thrower, the difference between a runner and a receiver. Um, I just it, it, it's very convoluted, complex. And, um, 
you know, look, at least for today, for what it matters, I'm glad it worked out for the Texans. Uh, just try not to get a little too cute with this thing because, you know, the Bears still are right there. They've got the Vikings and Lions left on their schedule, I do believe. And you don't want to get too cute and win too many of these ball games and screw yourself out of a first uh, <laughs> first overall pick. Yeah, they would have to win the last two games. And then the Bears, of course, would have to lose the last two because the Bears – uh, have the tiebreaker, at least from the win column, because they did yeah. beat the Texans. I believe that is the case. If the Texans had lost today, they would have clinched the first Thanks. overall pick for sure. The thing about the Bears is, if you're the Texans, Justin Fields has played pretty well. I don't think they're going to be going for a quarterback. Now, the only problem is somebody could trade up with the Bears, maybe offer them something if they fell in love with Bryce Young or one of these quarterbacks or something like yeah. that. And speaking of quarterback, Sean, maybe... Mills best throw all year. I think it might have been his best throw all year. It gets called back with two penalties, not one penalty, but two two penalties. Perfect throw to Brandon Cooks in the end zone. You know, that that I think it was about a 35 or 40 yarder, if you remember it. But the Texans, it's funny, they got their classic Texan penalty this year. They screwed up the formation for about the thousandth time. And you know, to me, again, this is a Lovey and Pep Hamilton not doing your job because it seems like they get one of those. I've never seen a team get this many. Can't, can't get the road. Can't get the um, alignment. Formation. right. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the funny thing about that for me was, is the first cooks touchdown earlier in the game that was negated because of a penalty. That was like the second or third one that he's had called back that he's caught this year. So I was like, man, I forgot who did him right. Who, who did him like that? Who was the flag actually on? Was it uh, Tunsil? Was it a false start on Tunsil? Was it uh, legal formation on somebody? I can't remember. Yeah, there was an Aikens holding on this one. There was was two of them. There was an Aikens Aikens holding penalty and, like I said, the illegal formation. And they didn't say who that was on. Yeah, it was the Aikens hold that I was like, come on, Jordan. Like, you can do cooks like that, man. Like, get him, get a, let him get a touchdown because everybody thought he was checked out and going to sit the rest of the season. At least I was in that camp. And then to see him active today and playing and then get a touchdown ball thrown, thrown his way and make a catch, he ended up making good on it, you know, later in the game. Really good throw, a tremendous catch by Brandon Cooks uh, to continue his route and just high point that football uh, to get that score to go but I mean I was just like oh this is just so typical like the one time you know you get a really good throw and a hell of a catch like it's going to be called back and there was a flag on that last play too just happened to be against the Titans in that instance but um, you know I, I thought we saw some really good things I'm just reading like this this message that we have here from Jamon if the Texans win the last two against the Colts and Jags, it makes a strong case to keep Lovey next year. Winning games this late in the season means players are buying in to his leadership. I don't think it's a strong case to really keep Lovey. Uh, you could win out. It, to me, it doesn't make a difference. If you're going to take a quarterback, and it's very simple. I'm not going to be very long-winded on this. It's already very difficult to have a defensive-minded head coach and a defensive coordinator in a position to where you're going to take a quarterback and not really have the proper guy in-house to develop him, not really have the offensive mind to coach him and to get the very best you possibly can out of a guy like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever it ends up being. I think it's going to be Young, but no, I, I don't think these games mean that much. I mean, Lovey's the guy because of exactly what you're saying, Jamon, that guys have bought in, and he makes it very easy. Um, players, people, people have been saying it all season long. They like to play for him. They do play hard for him. It doesn't mean 
um, that he's long for this job. I just think this is all kind of a part of a grand plan, and the Texans need a young, bright, offensive, innovative mind uh, to come in as head coach and their coordinator. I, I don't. I disagree with you. I don't think you need an offensive mind as head coach. I think you need an offensive coordinator. That's a great <laughs> mind. And if Lovey stays, you need a new offensive coordinator, obviously, and that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm not of this belief that you hire because you need an offensive guy or your offense is not good or you need a defensive. You know what? You get a guy that leads like Mike Vrabel, like the guy we saw today. That guy just knows how to head coach. Does. It doesn't matter that he does. He's not like a genius offensively or de- we saw him as a defensive coordinator. He wasn't good, but this guy is a leader. And I'm more about leadership at the head coaching position and the ability to be able to delve out stuff as an OC to an OC or a DC and finding those guys yourself and being able to bring those guys in and implement it. That's my feeling on that. Yeah, no. And you know, you don't, you don't make a bad point, Robert. And I, I'm not going to die on that Hill and, and vehemently disagree with you by any stretch. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Lovey was retained. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Pep Hamilton or this offensive staff is they draft Bryce Young at quarterback. I just don't believe that. And I think I think you're really making it a very a much more difficult road to sow, so to speak. But if Lovey stays on in terms of like being that leader, like the the issues that we've seen in years past with game management, clock management, those sorts of things, we really haven't seen uh, to a, a a a worrisome, a frustrating degree with Lovey. There have been instances where, I mean, look, even today, like I felt like. Um, you know, it, it could have been handled a little bit better in terms of play calling late when they could have squashed this game with a minute and 30, 33 seconds left. The Titans had all three of their timeouts with some different play calls. I mean, you allowed 10 seconds to go off the clock and ran three plays. You know, you've got to be able to kind of dial something up better than that. But, you know, you have to have a quarterback for that, too, to be a little bit more aggressive in those situations. But, no, I think Lovey's done a, done a fine job in regards of managing games this season. That would be like the one, you know, little notch on the bedpost for him. I. I guess at the end of the day, I, I could see the Texans doing it. I would just be a little bit surprised if, in fact, that was the case and you don't start with a fresh head coach and an entirely new staff with a franchise quarterback in-house. The game ball of this game does not go to Davis Mills. It doesn't go to anybody on offense, in my mind. Maybe you want to give it to somebody there. It doesn't go to Christian Harris. It doesn't go to Jalen Petrie. The game ball, Sean, is Okoronkwu. Huge game. Two sacks. Three quarterback hits. Three tackles for loss, five solo tackles, one pass defense. What a game. What a game. And he's been doing it, you know, since he'd been inserted into the starting lineup. You've seen his effect and what it has on the defense, the effect that he has on the pass rush for a quarterback, the effect that really, you know, I checked his numbers about a week and a half ago, and he was inside the top eight amongst edge rushers against the run. And you saw it again today. I, he did a really good job there. He did a really good job against the rush. You mentioned the two sacks. But they came in some high leverage, you know, situations today. And none more than that last one that he had. He was really making his presence felt. And, you know, I'll even go back further. Earlier in the season, I know a lot of people don't want to hear what Lovey Smith or, you know, what, what he cares about evaluating players uh, because they do think he's a, a lame duck guy. He's not long for the job, which I do agree with. But I do think. I would want to listen to him as an evaluator 
of, of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I liked what he'd said about Malik Collins all season. I liked what he'd said about Jalen Petrie, about Derek Stingley, even though I think he's used him completely wrong in his defense. But I really liked what he'd said about Okoronko. The guy is a difference maker. And the question really is, is, well, why wouldn't he made a factor earlier in the season as opposed to the last month or so of this season? And, you know, I think, I think the, the answer to that is kind of simple. I don't think a lot of people want to believe it, but I think Nick Casario has his fingerprints on, you know, the offense, the defense, the managing of personnel and how it's utilized and how it isn't. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. At the end of the day, the goal is the goal. You want that number one overall pick. And if it means that, um, you know, you're sacrificing some growth potential um, and, and, and some opportunities for success for some of these players, then I think so be it. Um, but Okoronko is a baller. You know, he's been in this league for a little bit. He could play and he's gotten the opportunity to show up and show up here in recent weeks. And so I like it. I think he's a, be an excellent guy to keep around and, He's also a guy that's Robert. He's played through some injury, man. You know, he's a tough sucker and he's a gamer. So I, I think, you know, you talk about individuals that are long for this organization. I'd certainly like to see him stick around for a little bit. Yeah. Him and Malik Collins, you got to bring back. And I think if you can go out and find, you know, hopefully in the draft, somebody that can rush the passer, those guys start to look even better because they're not having to take as many blocks on. If you've got somebody that's a real threat on, say, that, you know, right defensive end or, or something like that. Also, you know, we, we, we've given Casario some hits on, you know, some things that we said, oh, he, he's not done the best job as far as putting together this linebacking core or some other parts of this team with some of the guys that he's picked up. I do want to say Casario seems to know what he's doing in the secondary. The secondary has had some breakdowns, but I'm not and you're not enthused with Levy's uh, zone defense. And sometimes that cover two is a little bit too vanilla, it seems like, and it leaves all of these open spaces. But Tavier Thomas, Desmond King, um, Traymond Smith, look at some of the guys that they've got there. Jalen Petrie, he got in the draft. You know, hopefully if he learns how to tackle, he's going to be a really good safety. If he ever learns how to tackle, he's going to be great. And, you know, the only question, the, the, the one thing that he went out on a limb on, and might have screwed, screwed up pretty bad is, you know, taking Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner. And 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 that's never going to look great. The only thing is you got to hope Derek Stingley starts to be healthy and turns into really the guy that you think he can be because now you just got to hope it's a wash because right now Sauce Gardner has already turned into a pro bowler, all pro type player, and, and, and it just does not look great. So and that's it, fair. It's, that's it's, fair. It's got, he's got to hope that Derek Stingley – comes back because if you blew your best pick in the draft, which was the third pick and, and the guy that you picked was a cornerback and the next guy picked was a cornerback and, and, and you picked the wrong guy, it's bad. It's bad. And that's fine. And that's really how we should, you know, judge Nick Casario going forward. You should, that's really how you should judge uh, any GM is, you know, taking into account, not just who you drafted and who's working out, and who's showing potential for you and being, um, you know, a good fit for what you have in, in your system, whether it be offense or defense, but it's also, well, who did you pass on that's doing well elsewhere? That should also be taken into account, but there's only so much you can do about what the opposition does in terms of using those guys. Sauce Gardner, the way that he's utilized in New York, I mean, he's 
on their best receiver, on the opposition's best receiver, but he's playing a lot more man, has an opportunity to contest a lot more balls. Derek Stingley, you know, in his eight, nine games as a Houston Texan before he went down with injury, wasn't getting those same opportunities. You know, um, I think he's got like five pass deflections or something like that, and then an interception this season. But it's playing in a soft cover two defense, which he didn't have a lot of those opportunities to contest some balls. Um, he's had, he's forced to kind of come up and try to make some plays and tackles on the short and intermediate routes. So I'd like to see him, um, you know, be put in a position to where he can let his natural skill set shine a little bit more. And you're going to have to wait, unfortunately, till next season. But I don't think you should really knock Nick Casario for the Derek Stingley versus, you know, Sauce Gardner pick. I mean, that's something that we can talk about now. We know what we've seen, but it also comes down to, you know, how Stingley's probably been underutilized and how Sauce Gardner has been used to kind of, ex, you know, uh, uh, show his natural skill set. So to I don't I don't look. Hold on a second. I don't care how he's utilized. If he can't stay on the field and this is for that, this is three straight seasons that the man has not been able to make it through an entire season. And that was the criticism of taking Derek Stingley. And this is, again, he's playing nine games this year. That's it. So that's a part of it, too. And look, participation's part of the grade. We've seen it with Will Fuller over the years. We know with Kevin Johnson that he couldn't stay on the field as a cornerback. We've seen this with the, we've seen this whole act with the Texans before. So that, to me, forget all the other stuff. He's got to stay on the field for 16 games. You're fine. What's, what's Stingley's injury? What's his injury? I mean, I don't care what his injury is. Some guys just have a tendency to get injured. It just happens. Like, they're they're my, those my, guys. My point is, you know, Stingley has, has dealt with the shoulder earlier this season. He went out, hit the med tent, wrapped it up, came right back out, ran right back out on the field, played through that, got the it doesn't Look, Sean, it doesn't always mean the injuries the thing doesn't always mean that you have a certain injury that continues to reoccur or you're not tough enough. Sometimes – Guys just or there's guys in sports that just get injured all the time, and he might You're be right. just one of those guys. But it does matter. I mean, it is his first year, and he's had a bad rap coming out of college because of the Liz Frank, and he missed time a little bit before with a hamstring. Like I get all that, and it, it should be a concern. But don't bury the guy because he he did show you know propensity to play through injury this season, and you don't really know why and who's making that decision to keep him out. So until it is proven that, you know what, yeah, this guy, um, you know, is is a little bit injury prone or is a little bit soft or whatever, I'm not ready to make that determination on Derek Stingley yet. You know, I think he's out with a foot injury, right? Um, and there's been a number of, you know, um, players on the Texans this season that was classified as a foot. And I'd pull up my injury report, but I actually deleted it. You know, my OCD ass um, deleted it ahead of this game. I just didn't want it in there anymore. But um, I think he's dealing with a foot. He's dealt with the shoulder before. If it's a soft tissue injury, I'd be more inclined to, you know what? Like, yeah, let me raise my eyebrows with you there and uh, be a little bit more critical. I'm just not I'm just not there yet with Derek Stingley. I want to see more. And I think there are some guys that, yeah, you'd like to have seen more from Derek Stingley. Um, you didn't need to see – you'd like him to be in the same category as Damian Pierce. We didn't need to see anything else from Damian Pierce this season. We know exactly who he is. He's a franchise running back. Shelve him, get him healthy, and let's get ready to go next season. 
You know, unfortunately, Kenyon Green's not in that category. Derek Stingley's not in that category. Nico Collins is not in that category. And to be quite honest with you, Jonathan Grenard, who's going to be entering year four, is not in that category. He still left much to be desired, too. So there's some young players that should be ascending, you know, in this organization right now that you don't really know what the hell you have in them. And Nico and Grenard have got to be two of, you know, guys that are entering year three and year four next season that are coming in with the same question marks in 23's camp that they did in the 22 camp. And that's got to be a concern. And so that from a draft priority, from a free agent standpoint, should be a top your priority list to see if you can get better at those two positions. And I think it will. Stingley's a hamstring injury. So that's something that could linger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. And I I should have known that Uh, there's, there's a number of feet. I think it was a foot and uh, knee that Steven Nelson was dealing with today. And somebody else was dealing with a foot. I think it was uh, Coates was a calf. Somebody else was dealing with, I can't remember, but yeah, hamstring. So, it should be it should be a little bit of a concern with Stingley, but it's still year one. So I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because you don't know why, you know, he was being held out. Maybe the Texans said, you know what, we've seen enough. We're going to shelf him, let him get healthy. There's not much to play for the last two, three weeks of the season. There's no need to push it. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if a guy like even Kenyon Green is put on IR, which they've failed to do to this point. Maybe look for that this next week, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of players on this team, Robert, that have left much to be desired. I'm just not going to bury Stingley with everybody else yet. Another thing that I, I just feel like people screw up here with the Texans is, oh, they got nothing at wide receiver. That's what I hear a lot. Nico's got to be able to, it's another guy that's got to, we got to figure out if he can stay on the field. But I, I yeah. do think Nico is a good, solid, at least number two on most NFL teams. He can be a number two if he stays healthy. I like Nico a lot. Chris Moore has shown me something for sure um, when he's been given the chance these last few games. Uh, you, you definitely like some things that you're seeing from Amari Rogers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't have the top 10 guy. They don't have top 10, you know, wide receiver in the NFL. Do they need a great one wide receiver? Sure. You know, they could use one of those guys, one of those elite guys. But I, I do think between Amari Rogers and Chris Moore, and, you know, we'll see what we get from Mechie. Hopefully he can make the comeback next year. You, you might have something coming together as a wide receiving core. If they're going to bring back Amari Rogers and Chris Moore, and that's, that's a Casario decision, but you know, you got to make that decision and maybe he needs to get those guys under contract. You don't have to sign them for big money. There's not a lot of people around asking about them, but it might be worth a shot just to keep those guys around for depth. And hopefully you've got something. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want to have as many, you know, good veterans in house as possible. Um, especially when you're looking at such a young receiver core, potentially with the young franchise quarterback going forward. Um, Chris Moore, I mean, you look at what he's done before even this season. I, I kind of like look at him kind of like I do O.J. Howard. Like they, they were proven. Like you kind of knew what they were. They were going to be productive. They're going to be good pros. You know, they can kind of help some of the young guys, um, you know, as accumulate, you know, a comfort within a system a little bit easier than maybe some other guys. They're, they're, they're good in the film room. They're good practice players. Um, and when called upon, you know, in, in, in crunch time, you know, game time decisions, like when you're shorthanded, they're going to deliver for you. We've seen it from both of those guys. I'd like to see Chris Moore back because I think he is a, a true pro and that veteran presence that you need in the locker room that you thought you were getting in Brandon Cooks this year. And, 
Um, I don't think Brandon Cook's going to be here next year. I don't know if Philip Dorsett's going to be here next year. I think he's a, another replacement level player that you could um, go out and draft somebody. You could go and sign someone free agent wise and get somebody in here to produce a little bit better. Um, but Chris Moore, the effort, man, that he'd shown in that Cowboys game and that Chiefs game, but particularly that Cowboys game. I know he, never mind the 10 catches, just the second and third efforts, you know, to, to go up high point those balls, to just stretch and reach out and take the contact and try to get extra yardage. I mean, that that's what I was impressed by. And, you know, that's what we really like Jordan Akins for because he's a guy that's not content with, you know, catching going down. No, you scrap and you claw for every possible inch yard that is out there and you take it. Um, so I like that. He's a gamer. And those guys are kind of hard to come by when you have an organization kind of in the uh, situation that this Houston Texans one's in. You got to be able to identify those guys that deserve to be around uh, for the long term and that deserve the opportunity to help you bring along some young, um, unproven talent that the Texans are going to have in-house when training camp hits in 2023. Yeah, Jordan Akins has been fantastic. Brevin Jordan's going to have to fight to stay around next year, would be my guess, because Jordan Akins and Brevin Jordan are basically not just that their names are similar with the Jordans in it, but it's also their games are very similar as tight ends go. And I think whereas Quiteriano brings a whole other aspect as a like tight end, him. those two guys are strictly receiving guys. And, you know, right now, Jordan Akins has got the lead on Brevin Jordan for sure. Uh, final thoughts for you before we close things out, because uh, I know you, you've got some family stuff to get to. But uh, any final thoughts on the Texans? Yeah, you know, I've been in the kitchen all day. So I was watching the game from the kitchen and trying to take notes as best as I possibly can. But, uh, you know, we got family in trying to cook as much today so we can alleviate that tomorrow and enjoy some of the, uh, uh, you know, family atmosphere and the beer and the food tomorrow <laughs> more so. But, uh, hey, today it, it kind of played out, Robert, just like I thought it would. It was going to be a close, competitive um, game. I always enjoy the AFC South matchups. Um, you know, we crack on the AFC South division just as much as anybody else does nationally. It's it's one of the weakest divisions in football and has been for quite some time now, but it's, it's, it is fun football. Even when your team is one and 12, at the end of the day, there's a game on, you want to see a good one. We did today. And I like, uh, I, I like to see these guys fight. You know, the, the comment that one of our uh, listeners made earlier, uh, you know, about buying into lovey, you know what? Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's what you want to see. How, how much football have you watched, Robert, over the course of the last, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years? You get to this stage of the season and you can just tell that guys open up a can of quit. And I, I haven't seen that from this, from this roster. Um, I haven't had that vibe, uh, in the locker room. Um, it hadn't been that vibe at any really point in covering this team every single day for the last three plus months at all. So I, I like that. And it, you know, it was shown through again today. The opportunity for them to play spoiler, they get the other, another opportunity next week. Um, you know, uh, really the next two weeks, you know, to play against some division opponents and the Colts and the Jags left and, um, you know, try to, isn't the Colts and Jags or am I, am I tripping? Uh, yeah, they, a, yeah, that's the last two opponents, the Colts and the Jags. In that order though, right? It's Colts and then Jags. So like these next two games, it was going to, no. Jags. It's Jags, then Colts. 
I think um, so, yeah. I, yeah, because I knew they had two weeks in a row of playing against, um, you know, two teams that are jockeying for that uh, top spot in the AFC South. So, yeah, I mean, what you saw today, I expect to see, uh, you know, seven days, eight days from now um, in, in week 16, week 17, whatever it is. So I'm looking forward to that. And I, I, I do think that um, there is still a little bit more to uh, to see and evaluate with guys like Chris Moore, like Tegan Pretoriano, like Jordan Akins, and some of these guys on the offensive line in terms of like growth and who's going to be willing, um, you know, to to come back in 2023. Nick Casario's job is never done. In fact, it began, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago in terms of evaluating like who is going to be the key guys to help continue to grow and get you into this next phase of this rebuild. Good stuff. Uh, I want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas. When you get back from your Christmas festivities early next week, I have a great show for you. We have the ringers, Mirren Fader, who did a feature story on Bryce Young a year ago, and she's going to give you some really in-depth stuff about Bryce, the person that you might not know about, and it might get you excited. Maybe it won't get you excited. We're going to, you're going to find out. Also, she's done features on Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, and Jay Sean Tate, three Rockets players, in-depth features. So we're going to talk a little bit about all those guys, especially Jabari Smith. Uh, it, it's a really good one. Uh, national writer. She's a New York Times bestseller for her book biography on Giannis Antetokounmpo. So uh, she knows her stuff. Really great writer. If you haven't read her stuff, go check it out. In the meantime, I want to wish everybody out there a great holidays. Have a good one. Stay safe, everybody. The Texans took you in with the Christmas miracle right before Christmas Eve. How about that? Texans win after losing oh a zillion in a row. They finally got a big W. And they did it against our old team. There are Oilers. They're not your Oilers. They're the Houston Oilers. Forget it, Titans. You don't get them. And you lost today, brother. See you later. Have a great one. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.